The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a finish strong Friday, a co-sells concept Friday edition of the mighty Ross Tucker Football Podcast presented on a Friday by you guys, winners. I want winners. I want people that want to win. We want people like Matt Rizzo. He is the one that commented on our YouTube page after we posted one of the videos. Evidently, that helps us. I don't know. I'm I'm new to YouTube. We've got the page up. Today will be Greg Cosell's YouTube debut here on Cosell's Concepts and the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. All I know is evidently if people comment on your YouTube videos, It's a good thing, so it counts. Matt Rizzo, you are the Spread the Word winner this week. Sponsor confirmation email winner this week, Andrew Sherwood, a Duke grad. Duke kind of copies off of Princeton for everything, if you don't know. He took advantage of the free offer at NetSuite. It's a free demo. That's like the easiest sponsor confirmation you can ever take advantage of, the free NetSuite demo. But he doesn't want me to send him the signed card or picture. He wants to give it to a frontline health worker, uh, which is awesome. Awesome job, Andrew. Really, really appreciate it. Speaking of awesome, I know you're not here for me. It's a Friday. We'll get to some other business a little bit later. I am so fired up, though, to have our first YouTube interview ever. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL with my guy, who I haven't seen in way too long because there was no broadcasting boot camp this year, Greg Cosell. It's the big show. The big show. You got to check him out like I do, at Greg Cosell on Twitter. Plus, he's doing great work on the FantasyPoints.com website that Joe Dolan and I talk about all the time on the Fantasy Feast. That's the site where if you use the code FEAST in all caps, A, you get a discount, and B, you can send that to me to enter to go against Joe Dolan and I in our next Best Ball 10 draft. Greg, I've been reading your stuff over at Fantasy Points. I read the Carson Wentz stuff this week. Awesome, man. I'm so glad you have that platform now. Yeah, it's been really, really good. I've just been grinding away, Ross. I, 
I've been watching different NFL players, different situations. I started to watch actually some college players. I think I've watched six wide receivers and four quarterbacks. So, you know, you got to pass the time. I mean, there's not a lot else going on. So I wake up, I read a bit, and I uh, I watch tape. Well, so here's what's awesome, right? I already, in our co-sells concepts ideas, one of the ideas was the quarterback run game, quarterback-centric run game, if you will. And then I didn't know which one we were going to do this week, Greg. And then the New England Patriots signed Cam Newton, which made today's co-sells concept topic an absolute no-brainer. Before we get into the specifics, of the quarterback-centric run game, because there's a lot there. I've even been researching it more this week. There's a crazy amount there. I did wish want to get your initial reaction to the news of Cam Newton in New England with Josh McDaniels. You know, I got to tell you, Ross, I love it. What do we know about Bill Belichick? Number one, he plays to his personnel in the same way that he plays to the specific opponent each week. Let's assume Cam Newton is healthy. No reason to believe otherwise. Cam Newton was a pretty high-level NFL quarterback. We've debated over the years whether he's a great, great passer. That's not the point. He is a little scattershot here and there. He's a higher-level quarterback, and he is a big, powerful man. And I am so anxious to see how they incorporate run game principles, design quarterback run game principles into that offense, because they will. And you do it for so many reasons, and we'll get into that uh, in a moment. But I I am so intrigued by this move, and I actually think it's going to be a really, really good move. You know, here's what I think is interesting about it. I think we both agree that what the Patriots have been doing with Tom Brady with the shorter uh, middle-of-the-field passing game isn't really Cam's strength. No. It does seem to be a pretty good fit for Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham. So I guess I wonder, Greg, what I think is going to be interesting is how during training camp the Patriots install – more Cam-specific, if you will, plays? Do they just go into this thing thinking Cam's going to be our guy, let's design the whole thing around him? Or do they have sort of a Stidham package and a Cam package not knowing who they might go with week one? Well, because it's an odd offseason, that's tough to know. But the reality is that Cam Newton's the most talented quarterback that they have now on their roster. And Cam Newton will be their quarterback, whether he plays every snap week one, week two, that remains to be seen. But he's the most talented quarterback on their roster. He's the most dangerous quarterback on their roster. He allows you to do more things offensively that cause stress and conflict for the defense. So Cam Newton will be their quarterback. And he is the best power runner at the quarterback position I have ever seen, Greg. I'm not sure it's close. I don't remember NFL teams running quarterback power and some of the stuff that the Panthers ran over the years before Cam Newton. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody. I'm sure it was run. I always hate to say something was the first because that's always a tough deal. But the reality is the the, the true quarterback run game, we're not talking about the zone read. We're talking about the quarterback run game, power, draw, uh, sweep, um, 
runs like that, which we normally associate with the running back, those were runs that were part of the Panthers' offense with Cam Newton. And those runs, to me, will be part of the Patriots' offense. It's tough to defend. Uh, and as we start to get into this now, when the quarterback is a runner, and then you can look at the Baltimore Ravens, uh, when you when a quarterback is a runner, it puts incredible stress on the defense. There's an extra player that has to get involved in the run game defensively. You know, when it's normal down and distance and the quarterback's part of the run game, you can't play with two deep safeties. You just can't. You don't have enough defenders then who can play the run game if the quarterback is a runner. So it just puts so much burden and stress on the defense. Greg, let's start with that. Because I, I think more than anything else, that's really the key here is for our listeners and viewers on the new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, to really understand why the quarterback-centric run game is so difficult to defend. For years, Greg, when the quarterback was not a running threat, do the math, do the numbers. Yes. The defense was always able to put an extra defender near the line of scrimmage and still have every receiver covered and still have a deep safety in the middle of the field. Now that the quarterback is someone you have to account for, they really don't have that advantage anymore, Greg. No, and like everything in football, it's about numbers, Ross, because there's a defined number of gaps that the defense has to defend. You know this, playing offensive line. There's a defined number of gaps that has to defend in the run game. You add the quarterback in as the runner, as a foundational piece in the run game, what that does is it really adds another gap and another player has to be involved. Otherwise, you don't have a player to defend the quarterback. And that makes it really difficult on a defense. What it does, not only does it make it difficult, but it makes defenses far more predictable. And that's really what offenses are looking for. They're looking for predictability of defense so they can win the down before the snap of the ball. And let's, in a moment, let's get into the Ravens. I, I don't want to talk for so long at one time, but let's we'll get into the Ravens run game and what they do so, so effectively better than any team in the league a year ago for sure. You know, it's interesting, Greg, because – I've even seen it from my alma mater, uh, Princeton. They run the quarterback a lot. Uh, they At least they have. And especially short yardage and goal line, Greg, it's vicious. I mean, it, it, is, it is really, really yeah. difficult, especially if that guy has some power to him, which is what we're talking about with Cam Newton. So I, I almost feel like, Greg, do you think it's fair – to separate the quarterback-centric run game into traditional runs versus runs off of the read option? Because the read option is a whole series and a whole – it's almost a whole offense unto itself. And then there is the other part of it, which is what you mentioned, which is the quarterback power, quarterback sweep, stuff like that, that frankly we haven't seen very many NFL teams ever really do. Yeah, well, the, the zone read run game is a little bit different in the sense that you are clearly leaving a player unblocked and you're relying on the nature of the play 
to cause that particular player an issue. As you well know, you, the, the widest defender on the line of scrimmage, it could be a defensive end, it could be a linebacker, he is unblocked. Defenses can choose to play that any way they choose. They could have that player crash down inside to take away the handoff to the back, have a second-level player scrape to handle the quarterback. They could have that unblocked defensive player kind of feather, meaning that they try to have him play both, play both the quarterback running on the perimeter or the handoff inside, or they could have that defensive end stay outside totally because they're more concerned about the quarterback running. But that player is unblocked. When you get to the true quarterback run game, designed runs, they're, they're the same runs you have with backs. It's, it's the gap scheme. It's power. It's counter. It's draw. These are runs where there's not unblocked first-level defenders. These are base runs that we always associate with the running back and not the quarterback. And what made the Ravens so fascinating is how they took base runs and chose to block them so creatively, which we can get into in a moment. Well, that's exactly right. And that's why I, I think I, you know, we've said this a couple of times during the season. I'll just mention on the on the zone read stuff, and we might come back to it, but the one thing you can't do is you can't do the same thing every time if you're the unblocked defender. Right. Because they get a beat on that and then they'll have answers. So sometimes you need to crash. Sometimes you need to come up field. Sometimes you need to feather. You can't let the offense know that you're doing the same thing every time. But getting back to the Ravens. Well, one final point, if I may add, whenever there's an option, the defense can take away the option if they so choose. You know, don't forget, you know, look, Lamar Jackson is a different cat. But in a normal quarterback zone read game, let's say you want to prevent the quarterback from running. You just have the unblocked defender stay wide and you will force him to hand it off. You can take away the option as a defense if you choose to. In a designed quarterback run game, there is no option. It's it, their base runs. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this before. There's a couple different things to talk about as it relates to the Baltimore Ravens specifically and, frankly, what we might see the New England Patriots do from time to time with Cam Newton. Let's start with, from a Ravens perspective, I'll just say this, Greg, and you and I have talked about it multiple times. What, doing some of the games I did for them last year, uh, the last couple of years, frankly, that Chargers regular season game in 2018, the Titans playoff game last year, watching them, I have never, ever in my life seen holes that open and running lanes like that. I mean, there are times where Lamar Jackson pulls the ball and he's following Nick Boyle, Greg, and there's nobody there. Yeah. I mean, Nick Boyle's like looking around for somebody to block. It's incredible. Explain how that happens. Well, First of all, they do multiple things, but let's play off the zone read because you have to keep one thing in mind. They make a lot of runs look like it's a zone read. Some of them are, but a large percentage of them are not. In other words, it looks zone read, but it's either going to be a straight dive handoff or Lamar's going to run by design. So there's no option involved from an offensive perspective. But because it looks like that, they force the defense to have to react to that one way or the other, however the defense chooses to. Uh, but so what they do in the run game, because of the speed of Lamar Jackson, what do teams 
fear the absolute most, Ross. They fear Jackson getting on the perimeter. Because if Jackson gets on the perimeter clean, you're then you're dealing with 4-4 speed, okay? So what a lot of teams do is they widen their fronts, okay, and to prevent him from getting on the perimeter. And then you get a lot of those inside dive, they really kind of dive plays. That's an old term, you know, back in the day. We don't hear that very often now in the NFL, the dive play. But how many times did we see, you know, an Edwards get a handoff and, and he just ran through a hole that should never happen in the NFL because the defense gets stretched out horizontally because the concern is Jackson on the perimeter. Um, so that's one element of it. Another really cool element, take a base run like power, okay? What do we think, what do we associate with power? You think of a pulling guard, correct? That's, yeah. that's power. You think of a double team on play side and a, and a pulling guard from the backside. Well, they are so creative with how they run base runs. They might run power, but it's not the guard who ends up being the puller. They might use a tight end as, in a sense, as the pulling guard. And they line up with multiple formations in the backfield. And there's so many backfield actions, all designed to create hesitation and confusion. And then they take a base run like power and block it differently with different people in the base roles. There's a rapper and a kicker, as you know. So they have a rapper, and it's not the guard, as it normally is. And they have a kickout guy, and it might... It, it might not be the, the offensive tackle or the tight end on the line of scrimmage. So they take different people and put them in roles that have been predefined for 50 years, and they just make it look different. Yeah, and, and I'll add – it's a little bit different, but I'll add the 49ers to it in the sense that yep. some of the things they did with check last year and their tight ends – reminded me of some of the things the Ravens do, even though it's not Garoppolo yeah. running. They're so often, Greg, when after the snap, when they bring their off-the-ball blockers, whether that's a tight end or a fullback, when they bring them underneath the formation, behind the line, so often they get out there as a rapper or to lead on the edge, and there's nobody there. Or there's yeah. maybe one person there. And whether it's the Niners in the use check or in the Ravens offense, one of their tight ends or Ricard or whoever, they are getting on the edge with a lead blocker. And you just don't see that in no. the NFL from regular runs. Well, what the Niners are really good at this. Kyle Shanahan was great at this during the season, and they built upon it. When you run power or counter, I mean, it's their gap scheme run. So you're getting the double team front side, you're getting the puller, and you're getting the tight end normally on the front side. He's kicking out. So what the 49ers did so well is they would take either jet sweep action or orbit reverse action to the side of the run. Did you know what that would do? It would hold that defensive end that the tight end was going to kick out, and he might take a step wide because he sees that jet sweep or orbit reverse action. And he takes that step out wide. It makes it easier for the tight end to kick him out, and it expands the hole. So now you get the hard double team. You get the kick out with the defensive end widening due to the backfield action, and you create a monstrous hole, which you don't normally see in the NFL. The Niners were great at that. Yeah, I, I guess the point I want to make, too, it's a great point, Greg. The point I want to make is there are so many variations 
in in terms of the the read option stuff. Yeah, who the quarterback reads, what they do off of it. You've mentioned several of them in terms of you know when when the the lead blocker wraps or or things like that. I mean, we we could do three hours on just that part of it. I think what's important is to notice is to note that whether it's the Ravens last year or maybe the Patriots this year, there's just a lot of variations off of it. You're going to have a number count advantage. And because the quarterback's involved, there are so many different variations in the backfield that what happens a lot of times, Greg, is the is just the straight dive, the straight zone run is wide open because they're so worried about all the different variations off of it that you almost forget that that running back, Mark Ingram or Gus Edwards coming, boom, right downhill. Yep. And, you know, some of us may forget because of what the Ravens did this past year, and it was remarkable with what Greg Roman and James Urban did on offense. Um, but you go back, it may have been the Super Bowl year for the Panthers and the year after, but they were doing some really cool stuff with their run game with Cam. I mean, they had all those backfield actions, you know, different people moving in the backfield both before the snap and after the snap. And defenses react to that because defenders play with their eyes. And when they see things move, it's just human nature to respond. And guarantee that Bill Belichick knows all about what the Panthers did. He's probably studied it in great detail. I'm sure he studied it even before they signed Cam Newton. That's what Bill Belichick does. And you're going to see a really multi-dimensional run game with the Patriots with different personnel. They could have two, you know, they could have Burkhead and a shell on the field at the same time and do a whole bunch of different things. That's what you're going to do. You're going to see to take advantage of what Cam Newton brings to the table. Greg, this is the last question because I've already occupied enough of your time and we're not going to go too far down this, this road. But the point I wanted to mention is with everything we've talked about over the last 20 minutes, what really stands out to me about the quarterback-centric run game is the easy passes yes. it creates. The, off of the backfield action, I mean, some of the easiest – most wide open dudes I've ever seen in pro football when you're doing action off of these quarterback centric run game. You are 100% correct. And it takes nothing away from Lamar Jackson, but they were the only team in football one year ago whose offense was founded on the quarterback as a runner and not as a ball distributor, the way NFL offense is with a quarterback. And you were able to do that, that stress and pressure and conflict it puts on the defense creates fine reads and easy throws. And it was beautiful to watch. That's where defense really runs into a problem. I guarantee that every team in the Ravens division and every team on their schedule, once the schedule came out in May, has studied that Ravens offense in great, great detail this offseason because they're going to try to figure out not only how to defend that run game, but then not to get burned by explosive plays in the pass game, which seemed to be so easy. His name is Greg Cosell. He's the man. You know, I didn't even know if we should even do a YouTube channel, but just being able to see you, Greg, it's just <laughs> nice to see you at all. And then to see you while we're talking, I mean, I can, when we do it just on the phone, you know, 
I can tell how excited you are, but actually watching you, like you, like you couldn't be happier than talking about this stuff. Like your your face couldn't be happier. Greg, you're the man. Really appreciate the time as always. Thanks, Ross. Boy, that was awesome. That was so awesome. The, I, look, there's nothing better than Greg Cosell. The only thing that might be a little bit better is a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars in terms of a bonus. That is what you're getting right now from DraftKings. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use my code Ross when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Think about that. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus. It is $1,000. I've got the key to get it. You enter my code Ross. So all my peeps in New Jersey and Indiana and PA especially, you got to do it. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. They've got some awesome golf, soccer, etc. this weekend. Dive into that bad boy. Ducks takes. Hey, Ross, well, since our first two shows this week were Monday and Tuesday, we've got a lot of news to get to today. So let's start with the NFL reportedly canceling two of the preseason games as well as the supplemental draft. So before I dive into that, Bri, can we just talk real quick about, I don't know what you call it, our background or our skin? Yeah. This is awesome. We look awesome. Intern Casey is incredible. The yeah, it is in the upper right corner. The logo in the bottom left. I mean, this is like, I feel like we are like the real deal. I, I mean, even though we're still a little in, the little engine that could and independent, it just, it looks incredible. It does. And I love on the bottom where we've got the social media handle. So in case anybody forgets, you don't have to say it. You don't have to wait for you to say it or look for it on social media. Just look at the screen. At Ross Tucker Pod. Awesome. All right. So here's what we got. So the NFL is reportedly going to announce that they're going to cancel two preseason games. I think we all saw that coming, but they didn't actually announce it. And there have been players who are reps like Brandon McManus of the Denver Broncos, who's a kicker, suggesting that there might be one or no preseason games. The idea being, why should any players subject themselves to any risk as far as the virus is concerned? for games that don't count. And what I would say is a couple of things. One, I understand if they eliminate two. I personally believe if you're talking about essentially weeks one and week four, that you're really only talking about the bottom 50 players on the roster, maybe bottom 40 on the roster. And then all of those guys who are hungry for any opportunity at their dream they would all gladly play in those games. So I feel like there's a happy medium. First of all, I would say I would have kept all four preseason games. And for the first and fourth, maybe you only even had those bottom 50 guys go to the game and give them that opportunity that every single one of them would gladly take. The second part of it 
is if you only go to two preseason games, I understand the concern of the starters of, hey, you know, we don't want to even subject ourselves to risk for that, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe the happy medium there, Bry, is you just have the bottom 50 guys or bottom 60 or whatever it is. Maybe they're the only ones that play in those two preseason games because they still want to go through the protocols. They want teams to understand what it's going to be like for to have a home game during this season with the virus as well as an away game. So, but maybe, maybe, maybe you don't take your starters. Maybe you just have the other guys on the roster go so that the coaching staff and the organization can go through the protocols that they need to without necessarily putting those guys that are likely to play the majority of the regular season games at risk. I think that's something that might even be a strategy for some teams. As far as the supplemental draft, who knew that they could just eliminate it? I think we were all curious as to how many guys would ultimately end up entering the supplemental draft if college football was canceled. NFL does not mess around. They didn't want to take that chance. So they just closed the door. They, they just closed the opportunity. I guess part of me wonders if that's something that an agent or a lawyer would potentially file a lawsuit because who says you're allowed to just cancel something? Evidently, they have that right. That was news to me. Takes. More on the logistics front is some teams may fly to away games the day of the game, and uh, The Athletic is also suggesting fans may have to sign a waiver to attend games. So flying to, the, to, to games the day of the game, that would be a, a major change in the routine for a lot of players, and I've seen on social media a lot of them have expressed displeasure to that. That seems to me to be something where they would have to make a hard and fast rule because otherwise it, it becomes a competitive advantage for teams that don't do that versus teams that do. So I don't know if it's like if it's less than a three-hour flight Maybe that would be the solution. I just think that there there needs to be something in place. Otherwise, teams are going to say, well, we don't want to fly day a game when the, the teams, these other teams aren't. Uh, and I understand why players wouldn't like that. But if everybody's doing it, you do it. I mean, you know, back in the day, you took long bus rides to a high school game sometimes, right? So that's neither here nor there. I don't know if that ends up happening, but I think for some of the closer games, it absolutely could. As far as fans signing waivers to attend games, this is the world we live in, I suppose. I think I've said this before. I don't I, I, I don't care for what I believe is an overly litigious society. I understand that people that have liability and people that are negligent should have to face repercussions for that at times. I would just say in this instance, if you go to a game during a pandemic, should you really have to sign a waiver? You know what I mean? Like, should you really have to sign a waiver? And if that's the case, then maybe these teams are better off not having any fans at all. I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't care for that aspect of American society. And, and I don't know. I, you, got, you guys have to tell me if if it's like that in Europe and other places. But it just seems like, I mean, everything is liability and waivers. and le It just, it's too much. 
Tux Takes. Let's get into some player news. Chiefs franchise tag D-tackle Chris Jones suggesting that he could, quote, pull a Le'Veon Bell and sit out the season. And the NFLPA president wrote a letter detailing the union's position on players returning to play amidst COVID-19. So Chris Jones isn't going to sit out the season. It's a silly thing to even suggest. He gets a million dollars a week. That would be not a very smart move. And frankly, nobody should ever take advice from Le'Veon Bell when it comes to contract negotiations because that young man has cost himself a lot of money on multiple levels and gone to a much worse team and franchise. So he's the poster child for doing it wrong, not right. As for J.C. Treader, who is the aforementioned NFLPA president, thought he made some really, really good points about his job and the NFLPA's job to make sure they are furthering the interest of NFL players. I think people sometimes say, well, look at how much money you guys make and you're you're living a dream. It, it is all those things, but it's also a job that these guys have worked very hard to achieve. And there are a lot of people in life that love their job, right? You don't see people complaining about them trying to get better working conditions. A lot of people love their jobs. Takes. All right. Lastly, FedEx issued a statement saying that they have communicated to the Redskins that they'd like their team name changed. So this is gigantic news, Bri. Absolutely gigantic news, multiple levels. One, it's FedEx Field. I mean, they've got the naming rights to the stadium. And so they are, I believe, the Redskins' number one sponsor, FedEx Field. So that's number one. Then number two, their chairman and CEO, Fred Smith, who, by the way, is the father of Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, which is interesting. Fred Smith is a part owner of the Redskins. I don't know how much what percentage stake he has in the team, but he's a part owner. So it makes you wonder. I, I have so many things going through my head, right? So number one is, has he had these conversations in private with Dan Snyder before? Or is this just a product of the investment firms making it clear to businesses like Nike and FedEx, et cetera, that they want the Redskins to change their name. And is that what has changed Fred Smith's mind? Did he announce this or put this statement out on a Thursday afternoon before the 4th of July holiday so that by the time we come back Monday, people kind of forget about it and move on, but at least he quote-unquote did his part by having that statement that they want the name changed. Because in my mind, saying you want the name changed is not the same as pulling out your financial stake. Not the same as saying we're no longer going to sponsor the naming rights of the stadium. We're no longer going to be a sponsor of the team until they change their name. Those are two very different things. Nike taking down all the Redskin stuff from their website, that's a totally different ball game. I don't know how you're able to do that if you're Nike. I'm quite sure Daniel Snyder will probably sue them for that. And I would guess when. I, I mean, they when they entered into the agreement, they were the Washington Redskins. So I don't know how you can all of a sudden just take all the merchandise off the website. So there's a lot happening. This is the first time that I can ever remember that I actually thought the Redskins changing their name was a possibility. 
I think I've talked about, you know, the Redskins changing their name previously. I don't have strong opinions on it one way or the other. There are clearly people that are offended by it and would like for the, the name to be changed. And so I think there can be an argument that, hey, if it offends anybody, why don't you change the name? The other side of it, I guess, would be I've spoken to multiple Native Americans, one in person, one on the phone when they called into my radio show, that have suggested that it's the name's actually a source of pride. And they like that the pro football team in Washington uh, is represented in the mascot and the emblem are Native Americans and that it keeps on some level their tradition and their heritage alive and their Redskins fans. So it's a tough one. I, I've always said, I, I wonder, I, I wish we could talk to every Native American in the world or at least the United States and say, is it a source of pride? Does it bother you? Maybe somewhere in between. Um, and then I think reasonable minds at that point could argue Hey, if it if it's a source of pride for thirty percent and it bothers twenty five percent and forty five percent are in the middle, it doesn't really not a source of pride, but it doesn't really bother them. I don't have the answers. I just think that on some level, those are the conversations that need to be had uh, surrounding the team I started and finished my career with. Because when you talk to someone who says they like it, it's a source of pride who's of that heritage, it really makes you wonder. I thought it was interesting. I was, I was reading last night, Bri. I looked it up. When they switched from the Boston Braves to the Boston Redskins, before they then moved down to Washington, they actually named a, the, the head coach was a Native American. I think his name was Lloyd Dietz or something like that. I have to go back, but last name Dietz, but he was a Native American. So... I think that would indicate to me that they weren't saying it in a derogatory fashion when you name it something and then you name someone of that ethnicity as the head coach of the team. So I don't know. I don't pretend to be an expert on these issues. I don't often get into these issues, but obviously this is an NFL topic and it's timely. And I would just say, I think everyone needs to be very open to listening and understanding different perspectives on this, but it does sound to me, with the Nike and FedEx stuff, that this is the first time I think it it may actually happen, and so that that would be uh, that'd be huge news. Obviously, with an NFL team changing their name, especially the team in my mind, at least that I started and finished my career with. That'll do it, by the way, for a finish strong Friday edition of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Thirty eight minutes plus. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. We will be getting to more of your email questions next week. We already went so long with Greg, and there's actually a lot of news. Monday, we will have Dr. David Chow. So much to get into with Dr. Chow. From Cam's injuries, the former Chargers team doctor, talking about Cam's injuries, to all of the different stuff related to COVID-19 and these NFL teams. Can't wait to talk with Dr. Chow on Monday. You are not going to want to miss that. I mentioned several times throughout the show. Check out Greg. If you don't know what he looks like, check out Greg on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Looking to get lots of subscribers there. Even if you just want to see what the background looks like with my game balls behind me or just how big my head really is. 
literally, hopefully not figuratively. I think we're done here. Oh! Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. Before we end the show, Ross, you had one more thing to say, didn't you? Yes, I did. Thank you, Bri. I love Pizza Boy Brewing. I love DynastyFreaks.com. They are the two. I think we're done here. Shout out members of Patreon.com slash RT Media, the best value you can possibly get in podcast advertising. So now I think we're done here.